Hey, this is Bonnie, co-host of Full Court Press with Bonnie and Felix. Have you ever wanted to start a podcast but don't know where to start? Don't worry, we got you. Introducing Buzzsprout, a user-friendly podcast hosting site. They have all the resources and tools you need to start a stellar podcast. Start with a free plan, and then if you want to upgrade, Buzzsprout has tons of guides to help you find the right equipment at the right price. You will get listed in every major podcast platform, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and much, much more. Following the link in this episode's show notes, we'll let Buzzsprout know that we sent you. Gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan and help support our show. So join the hundreds of thousands of podcasters already using Buzzsprout and share your stories, your passions, and your voice to the world. Welcome to Full Court Press, a podcast by basketball fans for basketball fans, aka Toronto's number one NBA podcast. I'm your host, Bonnie, also known as Bon Bon, Bonster, Cinnabon, Boner, Barney, Bono. The list goes on, fam. My co-host Felix won't be present on today's episode, but not to worry. This episode is going to be something special. But before we dive in into the episode, make sure to tune in every Tuesday to catch up on all NBA and basketball-related content. Subscribe to the show and download episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your shows. And follow us on Instagram at fullcorepress.to. Today, we're joined by the co-host of Dudes in a Car, a Toronto podcast that focuses on interesting, brilliant, and thought-provoking conversations of everyday life. And you can find the Dudes in a Car podcast on all major podcast platforms. So don't forget to check out this dope podcast in this episode's show notes. Our guest is also an avid Sacramento Kings fan and will one day take the head coach position for the purple, black, and slate gray. Ryan Ramil Valu, welcome to the show, brother man. Hey, my brother. Thank you. Thank you for having me. First off, I just want to say that was probably the most fire intro ever <laughs> to introduce someone on a podcast. And this is coming from a podcaster alone. So kudos to you, man. And I know you're not showing this on video, but if you see at the back, I actually have a King's jersey as like a, you know, as a photo on my wall. Word. I got that as a birthday gift. So, you know, that's how you know I'm a big Kings fan and probably the only Kings fan in Toronto. Okay. Okay. Whose jersey is that though? Uh, well, it's actually Cousins, but it has my last oh, name. Oh, okay, okay. It. That's sick. Yeah. That's dope. That's dope. <laughs> All right, man. Yeah. So we'll dive into some ball talk in a bit, but I want to know how Dudes in a Car was conceived. Like, how did that come about with yourself and Jason? Like, how did that all start? <laughs> so actually, funny story. I love, I love telling the story all the time because when people ask about it, they're just like, huh, what? Like, that, that's how you guys actually started this? So how it started was I was actually supposed to start a podcast with one of my coworkers who I consider one of my closest friends as well. It was supposed to be a sports podcast, actually something similar to this, to what you and Felix have. But at the time when we started it, we actually recorded a couple of episodes, but we just never posted it because at the same time, we also got promoted at our current workplace at the time. So with work and then plus COVID happened. So there's so much going on that we just totally uh, scratched the idea. Fast forward a couple months later, Jason and I were just chilling one day at a beach and we just had white claws and he's just like, well, shit, I'm good at my job, but I'm not content. And I was like, okay, shit, me either. Like what other ways can we do to kind of, 
you know, make our time more productive and kind of make money if we could, you know? So I told him about the podcast idea and he was just like, podcast, huh? I started listening to podcasts this year too. So I'm like, yeah, I want to start one. I did try to start one with my friend, but that didn't go so well. And he's just like, okay, let's do it tomorrow. While we were drinking like two or three White Claws already (laughs) at the beach. And we were just looking at like birds and he's just like, let's talk about birds. But that ended up not happening. But pretty much we're just like, let's start this podcast. Uh, Let's link up tomorrow and we'll just record in a car because we didn't have we didn't have a studio. (laughs) We had no professional equipment, right? All I had was mics. And because we both at the time, well, I still live at home with my mom, but he actually just moved out, but we just didn't want to record in our own homes. So we were just like, okay, well, we have a car. And the whole point of dudes in the car is, you know, having lifestyle talks. Like, let's say if me and you were going on a road trip, we would talk about the most randomest shit. So, (laughs) I mean, you get that sense where it's like, okay, well, Let's say we we go on a road trip and let's say we ball up. I mean, if you smoke weed, but oh, my hundred percent, bro. <laughs> That's my shit. So go ahead. That's good shit. Hey, can't wait for that to happen. Um, but yeah, so we we were like, okay, so let's just see where this goes, and we're just gonna record. Just say what's on our mind. Fuck it, you know. We just said fuck it. Let's do it. Let's see where this goes, and if it pops off, it pops off. If not, hey. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take, right? Uh-huh, honey. We did it. And then after five episodes, he's like, yo, I love this shit. I didn't think I liked podcasting. And I was like, I mean, hey, what I tell you, it's fun. And on top of that, too, when we first did our, uh, when we posted our first five episodes, we were just like, okay, this is just a trial run. Let's see what happens. You know, we, we didn't like give a preview of anything. We just did it. We just fucking recorded it. And we just had like a, a spontaneous ass, like, podcast cover and then yeah we just posted it first day had like surprisingly like a hundred downloads i was like whoa okay you know considering for for us that we we just didn't we had no expectations and the feedback we got from it especially for every episode after that was just better and better and better so we're like okay so clearly we you know the shit's going somewhere this exceeded our expectations so that's why now we're at season three well we are about to conclude season three Season four is coming on the way. But the only reason why we haven't posted episodes lately is because I recently got COVID. So this is something I'm revealing to the public for the first time. And it sucks. I don't wish COVID upon anyone. But once I got it, then he got sick. But he didn't get COVID, though. And then on top of that, uh, we're in the works of having a new podcast cover, a new production level, and just a new overall body of framework for season four. So we're just going to drop the finale of season three as soon as we get those guests that are going to cap off our season four and set the tone for season four. That's dope, man. You know, when you're talking about just the fact that y'all are inside a car, right? And the fact that you guys don't want to do it at your respective homes, the car becomes more of like an intimate place. You know what I mean? Like I I imagine being a guest on your podcast and just sitting in the backseat and y'all are just like talking random shit, life shit, the culture, what have you, right? It's sick. It's very humanizing. It's relatable. You get laughs from it, you know, personal opinions, especially. And 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 then when you realize, oh, shit, this is a Toronto podcast. Okay, I'm going <laughs> to chime in right now. <laughs> no, right? And it's like, you know, it's kind of like uh, get away from reality for a second, right? Like you're in a car, you're turning up with us. It's a good time. The whole point of the podcast is to have a good time, be real, be genuine, uh, voice your opinions out, but also be funny and just be yourself. Like, 
don't hold back shit. That's the whole point of it, right? And we just want it to be a place where like people can vent, people can just um, talk about whatever the fuck they want to talk about, whether if like, you know, you have a girlfriend or you live with roommates and you can't talk about certain topics, right? So it's just kind of like real life talks. That's basically what it is. In regards to like, you know, you and Jason being, you know, podcasters for a while now, what was difficult for you guys when you guys were start first starting off the podcast and and what advice would you give for anybody else that wants to step foot into this podcasting game? Ooh, well definitely dedicate more time. I'll tell you that. Time is I mean, you would think that podcasting on a paper is just talking in a mic and just, you know, just fuck around with it. You know, you don't really you don't think that there's a lot of editing because the way that podcasts are perceived to us, like the popular ones at least it seems like it's all in one take, right? Like, it seems like it's just a bunch of people just talking, um, expressing their opinions, but without any filter, without any editing. But little do they know, there's actually a lot of editing that goes into a podcast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Yep. And then on top of that, you got to kind of test out, okay, what works and what doesn't work? Like, what demographic should I target based on what our podcast is about, right? And you kind of just get feelers. And I think the best way to really know what like you know feel out your podcast for what it truly is is getting the opinions of people that aren't your closest friends or family so an unbiased opinion and that's how you really know if it's good or not so i would say that so time honesty and honestly just marketability right because we realized we realized when we changed our album cover from season one to season two yet like the content could be good the content could be amazing and people won't know about it because the way it's marketed doesn't look as appealing right yeah, 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 100%, man, 100%. Like myself and Felix are excited at some point to hopefully show our faces more, you know what I mean? Especially on the podcast cover art. I think that'd be like something amazing. That's why I love the way you guys have your podcast cover art, like front and center kind of thing, but it's like side by side. It's kind of like yin and yang, yeah. Yeah, man, that's exactly it. It's fucking dope. All right, man, like I'm so happy to have you on the show again. Um, but let's talk and dive into some basketball real quick, okay? Finally, man, because you know my co-host doesn't talk about basketball, and I always, <laughs> I've always wanted to talk basketball. And I'll tell him that straight up. So I'm excited, <laughs> man. Let's get to it. This episode of Full Court Press with Bonnie and Felix is sponsored by Hoopin. Speak the language of basketball with killer t-shirts and hoodies that solidify your identity on and off the court. Use code FULLCOURT for 15% off your order. Before we talk more into the Kings aspect of it all, I just want to know real quickly, because I'm pretty sure everybody has their own origin story, but when did you fall in love with the game of basketball? When, when did you Ooh. realize, like, yo, I fuck with this game? That's tough, man, because to be honest, I actually don't really remember this other... Like, I guess the closest thing I can remember to at least liking basketball was simply just watching Vince Carter, because he was the first star that brought Toronto... Well, obviously not to what it is today, but he basically elevated basketball into something. Because if you look at the Vancouver Grizzlies, they only were there for like, what, five seasons? Mm -hmm. And I guarantee if it wasn't for Vince Carter, we probably wouldn't have the Raptors today. Yeah. Speaking about that, now that you mentioned Vince Carter, the Raptors, I was, I saw something recently and there's like, I think there's a petition that, that's being implemented right now to change either the name Raptors back to Huskies or change the colors back to blue and blue and white or something like that, because it makes sense. I know most professional sports teams, their colors are branded so that it meets that city's region or, or aesthetic. So like 
for Toronto, I mean, think about all the teams. The Blue Jays are blue and white kind of thing. The Maple Leafs are blue and white, right? The Argos are blue and white. So why, like, the Raptors, it's kind of random. But would you ever sign that petition for them to go back to the Huskies? Or would you keep it as a Raptor and change the color kind of thing? You know what? I would definitely keep it as the Raptors. I mean, the Huskies concept, don't get me wrong, it's cool and all. Because when they brought it back for that 2016-2017 season, like, just to see blue for our basketball team was refreshing, right? Because you're so used to seeing uh, red over the years. And then purple in the previous like earlier years like vince carter days and stuff and it was cool to see the blue but i like you said you brought up a good point because all our canadian teams are i mean majority of them have blue as their primary color right like the blue jays the maple leaves the marlies the argos Mm, you can go on right and the only teams that don't have blue in toronto as their primary colors is literally the raptors and tfc but the thing is, as much as I, the fun, like, I hate red. I don't even like the color red. <laughs> but we live in Canada. And because we're Canada's only NBA team, why not be unique, right? And that's the best way to represent Canada is to be red. Like, purple would be cool. I mean, I, I would love to have purple back. That's one thing I would love to have back. Yeah, man, same. Oh, I want to have purple back so bad. I feel like they should make it like an alternate jersey of some sort, you know? Because I feel like with the city jerseys, you know, it's cool with the whole like black and gold, obviously, because Drake put us on the map. That's cool. But I feel like that's starting to get played out. So they really need to incorporate the purple more for future seasons. So talk to me here. In your opinion, why do you think basketball fans dislike the Sacramento Kings? Is it just because they've been disappointing since the early 2000s? Or is there something else that leads to fans like displeasure with the franchise? Because, you know, just looking at the ownership through the years, you know, whether that be the Maloofs or or Vivek right now, you know, they, oh. they've cycled through so many GMs. They wasted guys such as, you know, DeMarcus Cousins and Isaiah Thomas, Tyreek Evans, and arguably now, arguably De'Aaron Fox. Because the only above 500 head coach ever for the Kings was Rick Adelman, right? Back in the early 2000s. And they haven't made the playoffs in over a decade. And right now, you know, if you look at the way they also drafted, it didn't go as planned either. You know, like they drafted Bagley over Luka in 2018. They drafted Jimmer Fredette. In 2011, 2011, over Kemba, Clay, and Kawhi. Yep. And then the next year after that, they drafted Thomas Robinson over, over Damian Lillard. Lillard. Right? <laughs> so it's just like, what the hell's going on right now, you know? If you look at the, at the entire division as a whole, the LA teams, Phoenix, uh, Golden State, they're all in the come up, except for the Kings. So my question to you is, how would you fix this franchise, my guy? How would you fix this entire organization is that through like a front office clean out? Is that through roster changes? Like what has to be done for the Kings to be talked about more? Because right now, I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think they're like 10th or 9th currently in the standings right now. I know they're ahead of like the Pelicans and the Spurs and surprisingly the Blazers right now. So it's like, yeah, that, that shouldn't be, you know, that shouldn't be like kept away. Because like, obviously, I think the top four, top five teams in the Western Conference standings are from the Pacific Division, right? So how would you go about fixing the Sacramento Kings? Well, first off, it's pretty tight from, I think, 5th to 12, I believe, in the Western Conference. Like, if the Kings win two games straight, they'll probably be in, like, 6th or 5th by, like, Monday. And as we're recording this, on Monday, they face the Raptors. So <laughs> that's just a food for are you working? Are you working that game? No, I'm actually attending as a fan. Oh, word. So, hey, okay. Yeah, I'm attending as a Kings fan, so I'm anti-Raptors that day. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, 
I think the main thing is to get rid of the owner. You know, Vivek, cool. I mean, coming from a from a half brown man, um, you know, f- to a full brown man owning the the team and stuff, like that's cool culturally wise. That's awesome. Like business wise, he's a he's an innovative man. Like I respect him for the business decisions. But when it comes to basketball, he should either just take his ownership away, like just get the fuck out of there, or <laughs> like just not even touch basketball because he single handedly is ruining the team. They could have fired Luke Walton like after they got rid of Vladdy. But the only reason why they didn't was because um, they wanted to save money. And that's mm-hmm. just Vivek thinking as a businessman. He just knows that regardless because of COVID and, you know, they don't want to, like, fans weren't coming in that previous season because of COVID. Like, okay, that's a better way to save money when they can't even make money by bringing fans in. And now that they're bringing fans in and the team is projected to, to be a playoff team this year, they had no choice but to can Luke Walton. But they should have done that maybe a season or two ago because when they had Dave Yeager, they were actually on the rise to be a playoff team. It's just the problem is they they just they're always they always have something good going on and then they find an innovative way to just fuck it up. That is so true. Cause like you look at the whole boogie situation just now, pretty much after 2006, it's been yeah. a decline. But like slowly yeah. right now, like the name that I don't hear a lot of people talk about amongst like basketball fans as much, personally, in my opinion, is Tyrese Halliburton. I love that motherfucker, man. That I love dude, that guy too. Oh, I love that man. That dude is so, so, so like underrated. And <laughs> right now, no, he is personally speaking, like he's dishing out a little bit more assists than Deer and Fox right now, which is fine. But like, I think when it comes to like identity, because you would think being in the position that they are now, especially within the Western Conference, specifically in the Pacific Division, they're obviously a small market team, right? So they're going to end up getting some type of like draft pick within the seasons to come. I think when it comes to fixing this organization, I do agree with you. Like Vivek, in a way, he's just thinking about the squad in terms of a business perspective, but not long-term enough. You know what I mean? Like Exactly. Because I totally forgot Tyreek Evans was on that squad, that he won Rookie of the Year, that he possibly could have been the franchise player going forward, but some personal shit happened and like obviously he's not playing. But that goes to show like how deep can the Kings go you know, within the next couple of seasons, like what are your thoughts right now in terms of the starting lineup for, for the Kings? Like help me out here. Cause you're more of the Kings fan than I am. Yeah. 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 Fox. Yeah. So Buddy um, Hill is coming off. Buddy Hill is coming off the bench, right? Which is a great decision. I a hundred percent agree with that. Who else is on the squad? Rashawn so Holmes. Got, Rashawn Holmes. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely a short-term solution. I don't see him as a long-term solution though. Uh, but the Harrison contract Barnes? is, yeah, Harrison Barnes, um, Mo Harkless, but then they go back and forth between starting Davion Mitchell and Terrence Davis, another former Raptor. Mm. And then you got Alex Land, you got Tristan Thompson, you got Marvin Bagley, who is surprising me this season, considering I'm like a huge Bagley hater. And he's, <laughs> no, seriously, like, I just fucking hate Bagley. Like, you know, like, when you post this episode, like, I'm going to actually post a video because I was just going through my archives on Instagram. And I had this story post where, like, I literally recorded my live reaction of when we drafted Bagley over Luke. <laughs> and I was so disappointed. Like, I just, I was laughing about it. I'm like, wow. Like, I called it from time because I wanted Luca. I don't know how the fuck they fucked that up, not drafting Luca over Bagley. Like, yo, man, I think that would have been so sick if they drafted Luca because if they did, just I know. thinking about like the division, yo, that'd be such a competitive space right now. You know what I'm saying? Oh. I mean, Luca and Purple would be weird, 
but and even the at the time it's just like okay yeah they need a big because you know like Luca's ball dominant so is De'Aaron Fox but I think they would have made that work somehow or you they probably could have sold high on De'Aaron and probably get some complimentary pieces but regardless yeah. it's like De'Aaron, just the, the thought of Fox and Doncic playing together would have been so exciting right yeah man see that would have been a stellar backcourt and plus like all these guards coming up now are not even like 6162 they're all like 6768 which is mm-hmm. which is crazy to me, man. I don't know what's in the water or food these days, but it's fucking wild. <laughs> it's America, man. It's it's America. America. So talk to me more. Like, why do you think basketball fans just don't like the Kings? Is it just because they suck? From a fan's perspective, because you're a huge Kings fan, I want you to convince basketball <laughs> players why they should be Kings fans. Why why should fans be Sacramento Kings fans? Well, first of all, they're young and exciting to watch. I don't know about you personally, but even if I wasn't a Kings fan, and I'm not even being biased, but you know, based on their core and how young and exciting they're, um, I mean, how fast they are to watch, like they're, I would say they're a pretty young, exciting team to watch. Like even if I wasn't a Kings fan, I would like I love watching their games. Like they're just they're young, they're exciting, they're flashy. They always have like highlight plays, and they're one of those teams that like play fast paced. Well, not when they were under Luke Walton, but for the most part, like they're really they're just fun and young and exciting to watch. Um, they're always that type of team that you know they can make the playoffs if they just have the right coach. And I think Alvin Gentry is definitely the short-term solution, but he's not the long-term answer. Who would you want to be the head coach for the Kings if not Alvin Gentry right now? Because he's just stepping in as an interim, right? Um, definitely Kenny Atkinson. I think the problem with the Kings is that they have the talent. Um, the core is not bad. It's just the problem is I don't think they have the right coach to bring them to that next level. You know what I mean? Like, you know how when the Warriors had Mark Jackson and then it was like, okay, yeah, he, he's a solid coach. But then they brought in Steve Kerr and he elevated them to the next level. Uh, same with the Raptors. You know, like they had Dwayne Casey. Cool. Like he was solid. But then now you look back and he's actually a pretty shitty coach. It's just we had talent on the team. And then Nick Nurse comes in and we win a championship. And even like now, even though the Raptors aren't the best team, they're still exciting to watch simply because Nick Nurse is innovative with his coaching schemes. Right. So just to add on to like how they're always that team that they're always building something. And just when they got it going, um, they find a way to fuck it up. Take Mike Malone, for example, right? Mike Malone. He was the only coach that actually got Boogie disciplined. You know what I mean? Cause Boogie was a head case at the time. Like I feel like now he's way more humble <laughs> just cause of what happened to him after uh, being on the Kings. And uh, he got the best out of Boogie. He got Rudy Gator to sign an extension with the Kings you know, and they actually built they built an exciting core. It's just, um, you know, drafting Stauskas, who I'm actually a big fan of Nick Stauskas, but I knew the moment the Kings drafted him, it wasn't the right pick. Simply because <laughs> they, they already had they already had Ben Macklemore, you know, and so just like they always find ways to fuck up good coaches um, for shitty coaches. I don't know why. And then on top of that, they always bring in like these random role players, like specifically from the Cavs, like during the championship run. They they brought Iman Shumpert back in like 2018, 2019. And that's when they were winning a ton of basketball games where, where they were even in playoff talks and stuff. And then they traded for Harrison Barnes and, <laughs> and ended up not making the playoffs. If they kept him on Trumpet, I guarantee you, they probably would have made the playoffs that year. And, and then now with Tristan Thompson, it's like, even though you know outside of basketball, he's got a lot of shit going on, he adds that element to the team where they're actually exciting to watch because he lets a fire under their ass. And that's why they've, they've played, I guess, more more exciting and passionate basketball in recent seasons since like the 2018 season i would i would say yeah 
that's a really good point because as a basketball fan, I never took that in that the Kings pretty much just took the leftovers of that Cavs championship squad with like Tristan Thompson and Amon Shumpert and Amon obviously is now left and he's winning Dancing with the Stars and that's <laughs> fucking dope and all. But yeah, yo, that's fucking... See, I never, I would never have thought of that, bro. Honestly. And the things with the Kings, they always make these like solid... Like they don't make blockbuster moves, but when they make those like low-key, like under-the-radar moves, it always helps the team. But then it's just the coach doesn't work. It's either the coach doesn't work or the front office is just doing something stupid. And I don't know, man. Like they just... The things with the Kings, like I, they just need a competent coach and players to buy in. And then I think they will actually be like what the Phoenix Suns are now, minus the like superstar veteran presence. But they could be a playoff team in the West. Like I genuinely believe so. Even not like, you know, just if I wasn't a Kings fan, like I, I can see that they have, they have the, like they have the players, you know, they just need to play a fast out, but it all comes down to the coach, man. That's a good point, like, because the Sacramento Kings are exciting to watch. And I believe it was myself or Felix who said in like past episodes this season where we said that this season throughout NBA history could arguably be the most talented squads ever to ever play in the league ever. Oh, you think so? Just analyzing and looking through all 30 teams, you could probably name at least a minimum of two, maybe even three star or all star or superstar potentials in every squad. If I look at the Memphis Grizzlies, like obviously Jaw, Jaron Jackson, you know what I mean? If you look at the Pelicans, like still Ingram and Zion, even the smaller market teams, they're still entertaining to watch. You know what I mean? And I think the Kings are like on that path to like being a squad that should be actually appreciated more to obviously have more like media presence being in the state of California. And obviously it's going to be really hard unless they're playing like a team like Golden State or LA or maybe even the Knicks, for example, just because of like national TV schedules and right. all that shit. So yeah, man, that's that's fucking dope. I want to quickly talk about De'Aaron Fox because this dude is exciting to watch. However, just this season alone, and I should be comparing it through like all seasons, but just from this season alone, comparing it to last season, um, obviously, his performance and his stats have been slowly declining, you know, and specifically in his points and assists and field goal percentage. And I remember watching the game, like, I, I don't know if it was like 10, 10 days ago, I think it was, I think it was against the Clippers. I think they had like a back to back to back or something like that. Oh, no, it was like the, last week. Yeah, yeah no, I, was, right? I watched both games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And like, I know, I just thought it was just really bad. And I felt in, in the way that like I saw Tristan Thompson and, and, um, and Harrison Barnes. And I think, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, is Doug Christie on that squad too? Like in the assistant, yep, assistant yep. coaches? Okay. And that's a huge asset, by the way. I just want to add. It is. It's yeah. a huge asset. It is, right? Because he was in that early 2000s runs. So yep. I feel like Barnes and Tristan Thompson and Doug Christie like really, really needed to sit Deer and Fox down and have a heart to heart with them. Because if you really look at it all, he's supposed to be the leader of his team, right? Would you, <sighs> would you say that? See that? Oh man, like, with the Kings, like, I, I feel like I could go on days on, like, days for days about just talking about issues from, like, the front office to De'Aaron Fox to whatever. And this is coming from a big De'Aaron Fox fan. So, I mean, first of all, I didn't even notice that. That I'm surprised you noticed that because I didn't even notice that during the game. So, um, that's crazy. But I'm not surprised at the same time because I feel like De'Aaron Fox, based on what I've seen, you know, just following the Kings on social media and 
you know, just being heavily invested into the team. He's usually not at like these team outings. Like every time the Kings have something, he's always like doing his own thing. You know, like he's never with the team. And I noticed that even when they have like press conferences or whatever, like you'll see Tristan Thompson uh, joking around with Buddy Heald or you'll see Terrence Davis fucking around with Marvin Bagley. But you won't, you, you don't see like Fox really uh, being around his teammates like that other than like maybe Tyrese Halliburton. And then when he's not like doing basketball stuff, he's always either playing video games or some shit. Right. But what I do respect about him is at the end of the day, he wants to bring Sacramento back to the playoffs because I don't know if you watched JJ Reddick's podcast where the old man in the three. three. Yeah. Yeah, He he literally was just going off about like, you know, I I could do this and that. Like I could leave Sacramento. I I could like go, you know, do my own thing and probably play with like other um, star caliber players. But just imagine like he was, he was basically saying, just imagine being the sole reason why, you bring a team like the Sacramento Kings back to playoff contention in um, over a decade. So the fact that he wants to put that on his shoulders and when before he got drafted too, um, he was the only player during the pre-draft process that was like, oh yeah, I would love to get drafted by Sacramento because Paige and Vlade were my favorite players uh, when I was a kid. That's fucking dope. Yeah. Word. I did see. I didn't know that, man. See, yeah. only true Kings fans would know that. <laughs> see, I don't know that, man. Yo, that's fucking sick. Because the thing is, De'Aaron Fox, to me right now, the way that, especially just this season alone. He's playing like shit, though. He's playing like shit. I'm not going to lie. And this is coming from like a shitty, I mean, not shitty, like coming from a fantasy owner that has him this year. From a fantasy (laughs) standpoint, he is so frustrating. And the main reason why he's playing like shit this year is because he gained 20 pounds. And I think only now he's starting to get back into a rhythm because like adding that much weight, obviously not fat, but, you know, 20 pounds of muscle considering like he was always like a, a lanky, slim, agile, fast guy. So adding 20 pounds, I felt like kind of fucked up his game and it was just an adjustment period. So I think now he's starting to find his groove. True. Yeah, yeah. Because I was about to just say like, he's reminding me of a Westbrook. Mm. A little bit. Just in stats alone. Just from like declining a little bit of points and assists and field goal percentage and stuff. Because obviously he's not a great three-point shooter. No. I think he's shooting like 27-ish percent from the three. But like the dude is still, the dude is still fast. And when I when I first saw De'Aaron Fox, and this is when like the man had hair, more hair. Yes, yes, and I know I know where you're going with this, but yeah, go on. Like that's the De'Aaron Fox I want, dude who can like take it to the rim, can take a big hit, doesn't care like if it's a charge or a blocking foul or what have you. He's gonna sacrifice his body. Because to me, when I first saw that, I was like, oh shit, the Kings have something here. But now, just looking at Tyrese Halliburton, in addition to De'Aaron Fox, I think. They're trying to, like, in a way, mold themselves in not a Curry and Clay Thompson type of type of formula. But do you know what I'm trying to say? They're, they're trying to keep the formula of, like, backcourts in the state of California, at least. Or just in the Pacific Division. Because, like, that's, those are teams that they're going to be seeing more of, yep. so to say. But I, I just find it fucking sick that De'Aaron Fox, even though he's playing like shit right now he still has to come up and be like that leader because it's really hard to like be you know he just obviously what this is the first year of his five-year contract right yeah but i think the extension was last season but i just don't know if it kicked in last season or this season but yeah no you're basically right because if this is his first year of the of, for the next five right now he's like how old is he like 24 25 Something like that. I, I wouldn't know his age but i know he's around that range anyways because he's around the same age as a, as a Devin Booker. 
And yeah, I always, exactly. take that, I always take that in because like Devin Booker, I'm not quite sure like how long he's been playing the league, but like, cause I know he's been playing for at least, at least five years and yeah. the motherfucker is 24, 25 years old. And I'm just like, yo, once D book hits his prime, once De'Aaron Fox hits his prime, that's when we can finally see like, who's the great of the greats when it comes to, you know, the guard position or just like that backcourt area alone. Cause when I first saw De'Aaron Fox, he reminded me of like an early John Wall. Um, yeah, I mean, those were the that that's like basically spot on. Yeah, John, I right? would say Western Conference John Wall, hundred percent. Yeah, right. That's why I just want this guy to like work on his shot more. I want him to like be more aggressive, and I actually want him to be more vocal. Like you're right about the whole press conferences and stuff, and not being part of that brotherhood. Because I I believe I was watching the game last night between the Magic um, and the Kings. No, not the not that game. Sorry, my bad. I'm transitioning here into leadership, but it was from um, Golden State in Portland. Oh, and, okay. and obviously Damian Lillard right now is, is down with an abdomen um, injury, right? But they were oh, talking, yeah. the commentators are talking about his leadership skills off the court and like how he would visit people, visit his teammates' um, homes, go to the cer- certain gatherings, whether if they, if they were in the hospital, he, he would like check up on them. Like he goes out of his way to create that community within Portland. And I think De'Aaron Fox has to take that same approach in being a leader that he has to be, he has to show that he's the guy. Like he has to show that he's the guy because right now Rashawn Holmes and Harrison Barnes are like putting up impressive numbers this season. And even though Harrison Barnes was kind of like down for a little bit because I picked him up in fantasy A. Um, <laughs> well, you have still... him in my league though, right? Yeah, you yeah, have him in yeah, my yeah. league. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, there, there came a point where I was just like, yeah, man, De'Aaron Fox's uh, body language wasn't really spoken a lot of 10 games ago or 10 days ago because LeBron, because you can also tell with like the championship, I think it was two years ago, I think. No, no, no. It was last, sorry, last year in the postseason playoffs against the Suns, like LeBron James' body language, you could read that. The dude was like done. Oh yeah, he was like, checked out. He was for right? sure checked, was checked out. out. And like right now, like if I'm, obviously I'm not going to compare him to De'Aaron Fox, but in, in regards to body language, De'Aaron Fox's body language has to change. You know what I mean? And that's start, but the thing is that also, but that can't just be from the player. That I, I think that starts from the head. Yeah, you, you got you you have to cut the snake's head off. I would what I would do for like the Kings is a complete fucking clean out of that organization. Like from the front office to like president of basketball, GMs, like someone get Danny Ainge in that in that organization. Oh, okay, see, it, that's where I'm gonna have to correct you. So uh Monty McNair, who's now the current GM, um, hmm. He's actually the reason why, um, I guess, the well, because he only started being the GM of the Kings since last season, right? So there's right. not really uh, much talks about that because, one, the Kings, they're not a playoff team. Two, um, COVID happened, right? So it wasn't really, like, people still think that Vlade's the GM, which is fucking crazy when you talk <laughs> about the Kings. Like, even though Vlade's been long gone, he's, like, it's actually Monty McNair. And Monty McNair comes from, like, the Houston Rockets, right? Like, the whole analytics base, which is why, like, you notice that, uh, prior to drafting Halliburton and drafting uh, Davion Mitchell, they always drafted based on like positional need instead of like best player available, right? So, mm-hmm. um, so far, Monte McNair's track record since he became GM, I mean, two for two, man. Like Tyrese Halliburton, yes, hundred percent, he could be the next Clay Thompson of the team. And you know, just going back to your point about uh, how they're trying to be the next Golden State. So, funny fact is when Vivek uh, first became the owner of the team, uh, that was when the Golden State Warriors were on the rise. So he actually acquired Buddy Heald uh, for DeMarcus Cousins because he thought Buddy Heald was going to be the catalyst to turning the Kings into the next Golden State Warriors. 
Mm. And he thought, and the initial the initial plan was to have Buddy Healed and De'Aaron Fox as the next Steph and Clay. Oh shit, that's that's a great point, man. That's a great point because like Buddy Healed, I think I think he's is he second in three points made, like behind Curry within like the current season kind of thing. I don't know if that's right. Uh, I'm not too sure, man. I know you you study your stats like that. I mean, fuck, kudos to you. You study your stats like that. I didn't look that deep into it, but. What I do know is uh, Buddy Hield is now the all-time three-point leader in Kings history. So he Boom. exceeded, yeah, he exceeded Peja Stojakovic. Actually, Peja Stojakovic was one of the main reasons why I got into basketball and why I became a Kings fan. So Okay, cool. See, great, man. I was about to follow up with, like, how did you become a Kings fan? Because yeah. I thought Peja, for me, it was, like, I'm, I may be, like, the biggest fanboy, but, like, playing, I started playing basketball when I was, like, grade 7, grade 8. And I remember watching clips on like this is like early youtube days and i was like who is that who's that who's white chocolate and <laughs> i was amazed i was like yo i want to handle the ball like jason williams like like but do you watch open court ever watch uh, open court on nba tv or like on like youtube clips and stuff i used that- to not i used to i used to okay because like i sometimes play open court on youtube before i go to sleep or kind of thing just to get more basketball knowledge like within me because I like hearing like just former and current basketball players, TV analysts, all that stuff, um, all those people talking about ball, right? And I forgot which episode it was, but I remember Kenny Smith asking Chris Weber on the panel and he was saying, who's better? Like, who would you get? Mike Bibby or Jason Williams? And Chris Weber's response was... Jason Williams, right? He actually said, first of all, if it wasn't for Mike Bibby, there would be no Jason Williams. And I oh. really had to analyze Chris Weber's answer. I'm like, interesting. Because the thing is, too, at that time, obviously Sacramento was like the early Golden State Warriors, right? Like they were fucking exciting to watch. It was like fast-paced basketball, that iconic elbow pass in, in, a, <laughs> in All-Star Weekend with Jason Williams. To Rafe LaFrance, um, yep. And, and hella, hella underrated front court in NBA history with Vladi Divac and Chris Weber, right? Yeah. Um, but... To say all of that is to just show, you know, an appreciation for that squad. If you're a true fan for a certain period of time, and obviously with you, it was with, you said Vladi, right? And Peja fucking sharpshooting, fucking three-pointer, like way before all these Europeans started to come into league. You can arguably say that he was, you know, the pioneer of the early yes. 2000s going forward. You exactly. Know? Because even though Dirk was already in the league, to me, there wasn't evidence that like, okay, he's Dirk is a one of one because he is still a one of one. But then you realize, hold on, there's still more like we can go outside of North America. We could explore Europe. We can explore Asia, what have you. And now Africa, right? So like mm-hmm. the game is obviously becoming more of a global sport and the community as a whole is so, so fucking dope. Like I just find that with the Sacramento Kings specifically, you know, the only way for them to win now is just to go up. I honestly think, like I said earlier, just clean out that front office. I honestly do think they have to do a lot better, easier said than done, in drafting. If they drafted better, um, that's if they can get step one down with like cleaning out the front office, what have you. And then I think the most important thing that they're missing right now, because I'm looking at Boogie, I'm looking at um, Isaiah Thomas, Tyreek Evans. What I'm thinking about, it's something that the Raptors have done really well, and that's player development. I think they need to spend more time on player development because and and I, and I hope they do that. I hope the Kings find, you know, the right training staff and 
and assistant coaches and what have you, like if they're able to just get down and find a way to develop their young guards, their forwards, their centers, what have you, I think it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a good payoff at the end of the day because I really think they just fuck with people for a little bit and they're like, you know what? We want a little bit more. And then, like you said, they fuck themselves over. They shoot themselves in the foot, right? Right. Well, see, going back to your point, um, Monty, so, you know, like I said about Monty McNair, I'm willing to give him a chance just because he's bringing a different perspective. You are right, and you brought up a good point. The player developmental team, which I totally disregard for some reason, but I feel like they're the main issue with the team. Besides Vivek. Vivek, he needs to get the fuck out of there because I feel like him, <laughs> just him with the basketball decision is, no, it's terrible. Like, we just need a better owner. Um, business-wise, yeah, great. Basketball, fuck no. And then player development, developmental team, yeah, they've just never been good and like they don't know how to handle injuries. But uh, Monty McNair, um, I think, like, I mean, for now, like I said, he's two for two in draft picks, right? Like Davion Mitchell and Tyrese Halliburton. And the problem is, as much as, yeah, like, you know, you do have a point. Like, I think the front office needs to change. But since they only came into office last season, you know, maybe give them another give them another two to three seasons and then kind of make your decision, right? Yeah, man. Because I remember seeing the video of, um, was it Monty McNair and like a fan? Um, ben Simmons. Saying, yeah, Ben Simmons. What are your thoughts on that? What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, buddy. I would love to have Ben, as, as fucked as, a, you know, like all of, like the, the attention is on him right now. Like, I think the whole mental health situation as, you know, I don't want to bash on it, obviously, but I think him using mental health as an excuse to not play for the Sixers is all cap. And I think that's bullshit. You can argue that with me, but I think he just doesn't want to play for the Sixers. I, I agree with you. I think it is all cap because for me personally, if that was the case, I feel like there's always going to be someone leaking rumors and, and media attention and shit. Like I, I, I have a feeling that DeRozan and Kevin Love would somehow be part of that picture if it came to like some type of mental health conversation. Like you would hear them in the forefront saying, Yo, is he okay? Because then, because then now it becomes more of like a global community in regards to like, it is a mental health thing. But if, if, but if Ben Simmons is obviously, you know, just using this as an excuse, I don't know, man. No, you're right. And I mean, in an ideal Kings fan situation, because I don't know if you look at Reddit like that, but Kings fans like myself would love to have Ben Simmons. And I think he'd be the, like the Kings are actually the perfect team for him because, you know, as long as they keep Halliburton and Fox, Cool. Trade everyone else. Get rid of fucking Barnes. Get rid of Buddy Hill. Get rid of Bagley. Maybe throw in Rashawn Holmes. Throw in some picks and cash. Fuck. Throw in Tremezi Metu too. As long as you keep, <laughs> as long as you keep Halliburton and Fox and Simmons, oh, buddy, they'll make playoffs for sure. And as a Kings fan, yeah, that's kind of depressing to hear. Like all we want to do is make playoffs, but we need to make the fucking playoffs because we have the longest <laughs> playoff drought right now. Yeah, man. I'm really rooting for them. And I think the whole mid, mid-season tournament, I think, or play-in tournament as well, is a way to implement those like 10th and 12th seats. And, and the thing is, like Felix and I listed the pros and cons of that last season. You know what I mean? Like whether that be obviously like the pros for the 10th to 12th seats to have a potential to be, to be like the 7th, 8th kind of thing. It's like 9 to 12 or 9 to, yeah, yeah, 9 to 12, I, I believe. And I just think that it's more competitive basketball. I, I, I get excited for competitive basketball. At the end of the day, I don't fucking care if the finals was between the Hornets and the Kings. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, this That'd season exciting, alone. exciting, though. That would exciting, be exciting. Right? Like, it's still exciting. Like, every single team in the league right now has so much talent and, and potential. And I think it's fucking dope.
All right. So this one is a fun one. Essentially, you know, you're a big, big Kings fan. And I'm not quite sure how far back you go in regards to like the Kings as a whole franchise. But what is your all-time starting five for the Kings? So all-time starting five just for the Kings. So this goes back to when they were still like the, I think the, the, the Cincinnati Royals and the, um, the Kansas City Omaha Kings when yep, they transitioned yep. from there. So, like, who are your starting five all time? All time. That's tough, man. That is tough because just for the Kings, because they've always had like the the guard position itself. That's just so hard to think because you know they've had great like past point guards, current point guards. Even you know that's tough. You put me on the spot, but I'm gonna go. um, Damn, that's tough. That's tough. I'm not gonna go based on talent. I'm just gonna go based on um, overall excitement. Okay, and, okay. And I'm going to go, so, Jay Will as a point guard. Um, okay. I would have said Bibby as shooting guard, but he's too small. So, I'm going to go with Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, small forward, obviously, Peja. Um, Chris Weber as power forward. And then center, um, I would have said Vlade, but because as a general manager, he was so shit. I'm going to have to go Cousins, even though I'm, I don't really care about Cousins like that either. Oh, shit. That's actually a dope squad. Now, I'll give you my five. I'll give you my okay. five. I had to do more research a little bit on this. Okay. okay. There's only two names on, on your starting five that I kept. That's Peja and Chris Weber. Okay. When it came to the guards, I had to include the big O. I had to include I, Oscar Robertson. I, I, I was going to say him, but I mean, I just appreciate Jay Will more. So that was my backup, actually. I was going to say Oscar Robertson for sure. Because my all-time starting five, yours was on just like entertainment talent, right? My starting five was just based off like stats alone. So it's kind of different and skewed in that manner. So mine was, um, I had Oscar Robertson at the one, Tiny Archibald at, at the two. Oh, damn. Okay. Because okay. to me, to me, to me, Tiny Archibald was the first king of kings. Right. Like, right. Like that dude was like unreal. Then I have Peja at the three. I have Chris Weber at the four. And then at the five, Jerry Lucas. Um, oh, whoa. And Jerry okay, Lucas, whoa. that dude was like. For six seasons, the dude was averaging 19 points and 19 rebounds. And he was only a 6'8 center. Like, look how far we've come, like, to, like, the modern NBA. Like, 6'8 was a center. But now you're considered that to be, like, a forward or, like, a point guard even. It's just, exactly. it's insane, man. It's, it's insane. But, yeah, man. Like, I'm going to just drop some quick stats for you, though, as to why I, I picked Oscar Robertson and, and, um, and Tiny Archibald. Because, like, Oscar Robertson, you know, 1963 to 64 MVP. Within the 10 years he was with them, at that time, there were, I think, still the, um, the Cincinnati Royals. He averaged triple-double, 29 points, 10 assists, 8 rebounds. And then Tiny Archibald, back in 1972-73, back when it was the Kansas City Omaha Kings, 34 points, 11 assists per game. Ooh, that's and I was just guy. like, and that's the 70s. And the 70s was such an like, insane decade to play in basketball because there wasn't that many repetitive teams that won championships is probably arguably the most hardest decade to talk about basketball because of the whole ABA to NBA merger, right? So at that time, you know, Kareem and the Bucks, hella, hella dope. Near the tail end of the 70s, Magic Johnson was a household name. So it just, this was just on the cusp of being something even more. And I think you got to give credit where credit is due to like the kings of the past, but also the kings of the modern era and the present. So shout out to you for Putting J. Will in your starting five. I fucking, I fuck with that. 
hey man, hey, you just changed my perspective on the whole stats thing because I I I didn't even know your stats grew like that till literally right now. So the fact that you pulled up uh, Tiny Archibald and uh, what, what was that guy Reggie Lewis? See, I don't even know his yeah. name. Yeah, Jerry, or, Jerry Lucas. Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Lucas. Jerry Lu- oh yeah, Jerry Lucas. There you go. Exactly. Right. So I'm like, damn, this guy really went back, and I I respect that because I know I gotta look at Jerry Lucas highlights after this. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this installment of Full Court Press. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at fullcourtpress.to and to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your shows. All right, Ryan and I will be, will be playing a game of five-second rule. The category for this game will be all-time sets of brothers to ever play in the NBA. We'll be going back and forth. You have five seconds each to say a set of brothers pretty much who've ever played in the NBA. All right, bro, count me down. From three, two, one, go. All right, the Curry brothers. Thompson brothers. Ooh, Thompson. Um, um, the Griff the Griffins. Fuck, I was gonna say that, man. Uh oh no. Two, one. <laughs> Fuck, you got me there, <laughs> man. You got me there. Do you have a category in mind? Um you could be, you could be literally anything. Like, we just have five seconds to yeah, go back no. and forth kind of thing. For sure, for sure. Uh, It'd be like a rapid fire kind of thing. It's it's going to be dope. I got one. Um, the Rosen's teammates after the Raptors. Ooh, that's a great category. All right, man. Count me down. All right. Three, two, one, go. Jakob Pertle. Okay. Zach Levine. <laughs> Lonzo Ball. Nikola Vucevic. Alex Caruso. Keldon Johnson. Dunsumnu. Lonnie Walker. DeJounte Murray. Drew Eubanks. Derek White. Matt Thomas. Word, Matt Thomas. Um, fuck. <laughs> fuck, man. Yo, you got me still. Yo, man, I'm trying to like list literally everybody on the Spurs and the, and, and the Bulls off the top of my head. Who else is on... Oh, is that no? Sadoransky's on isn't on the Bulls anymore, right? No, he's on the Pelicans. You know? He's on the Pelicans. The Pelicans, yeah, man. Thanks so much for tuning in to Full Court Press with Bonnie Felix, and we'll catch you in the next one. Peace out. <laughs>